0: This is Ink Studs on CITR 101.9 one point nine FM. I'm talking to Todd Hignite, and uh, your newest book, the lovely uh, Jaime Hernandez art book from Abrams. I've actually got—I left the dust jacket at home, and it's—it's it's kind of an odd Testament, Black Doomsday book almost with like, the dust jacket. All
1: <laughs> right. well, the secrets of life and death. Yeah, uh,
0: in like looks like chalk writing, and but it's a beautiful book. I love it. Huge fan of Jaime's work. Um, right. And that's just one of your books. You also have, in the studio, which he is one of, as well as, basically the current pantheon, I guess, of uh, alt cartoonists: um, Seth, Chris Ware, Klaus, Spiegelman, Panter. Some of them, anyway. Yeah. Burns. Crumb was in it. I could. Yeah. Crumb was yep, in it.
1: Yep. Crumb was in it. I think He was the elder statesman in that book.
0: Yeah, yeah, I guess, yeah, yeah, no underground folks other than him. So. Um, and last but not least, the much-loved um, comic art magazine. <laughs> Thank you. It's nice of you to say. It's, uh, no, I uh, think a lot of that, and I uh, saying beforehand, um, In the Studio, as a book, really came out at a good time for me when I'd been doing this show for about a year and a bit and kind of still trying to figure out what I'm doing and still working on my sea legs and that book really captured um, kind of the idea I have like you know with talking to cartoonists and really there's so much in their heads and just finding the right things to pull at and you can get all sorts of information
1: I I agree completely and that was was kind of you know uh, one of the motivations behind that book is is um, you know, I find that artists in general, um, you know, decent decent percentage um, are are not particularly comfortable talking about their own work. And um, in addition to that, you get somebody like Robert Crumb, who's been interviewed, you know, eight million times over the last forty years. And you know, it, it's it's certainly you know nobody's fault, but you, you kind of tend to rely on stock answers to questions um, and so it was a combination of those two things um, you know I, I felt like boy if you put somebody else's art in in front of one of these cartoonists they really open up and, and not only do they have a unique perspective on on other artists but you definitely get something um, about their aesthetic you know uh, immediately and, and how they talk about other artists work so it was just kind of a, a way to get around um, you know people's reluctance to to sort of talk at length about about their own work and and kind of get a fresh um perspective on on those cartoonists
0: was there a specific choice in the folks that you did talk to
1: um you know not at the beginning the the whole idea for that for in the studio for that concept it it really came out of the first one that I did um which was with Dan Clowes and okay. um you know i met him and did an interview with him when i was probably 17 years old uh i lived in st louis and i drove up to chicago when he when he lived there and um you know just kind of seeing him in his working environment he was actually working on art school confidential at the time it was on his drawing board i've got these photographs of <laughs> him sitting in his drawing board with that story sort of half finished but you know just just being really interested um in seeing, you know, kind of what he was looking at, and and you know, process uh, related material that nobody else ever sees, um, so it really, yeah, that idea that idea was just about Dan, and then and then after we did that, um, you know, it seemed like people were interested, and it did seem like it gave uh, a really interesting, um, you know, view of him and his work, so. It just kind of went on from there and it really went one by one it was kind of like oh who else would be good to do uh... do one of these things with and um... you know once uh, i can't remember the exact number but but when i signed the contract to do the book i think i'd done you know half of them and then it was kind of like um... filling it out and and you know making it um, I, I mean, I guess it's a, it's a... I don't know how representative, um, you know, of a group it is It's, you know, I can't get away from the fact that those nine cartoonists Are, are probably, you know, really high on my list mm-hmm. of, of favorite artists So um, that certainly went into it But, um, yeah, it was, it was a little bit tricky to try and, you know It's nine people, you, I could have done nine more people And... You know, it it would have been, you know, or I could have done nine different people, and and you know, it, it's really hard to to try and make it um, make it something you know at all definitive. But it's just you know, nine nine cartoonists that were my favorites,
0: and they're wise choices. They do kind of all work within the same parameter or, or same kind of world of work. Like I don't want to say genre because they don't particularly see themselves as genre work. Um but there is a certain aspect to that which they all kind of share.
1: Well, well yeah, I mean you're right in, in that sense because one of the you know, one one important aspect of those in the studio features, I mean you've gotta have a cartoonist that really looks uh to the history of comics quite a bit mm-hmm. and, you know, is is kind of a you know, a collector and, and somebody that that you know, that kind of material is important to them. So you know, definitely. Um, you know, there, there. Are, I'm sure there are cartoonists that that don't have that kind of, you know, um, uh, interest in in a lot of this, um, you know, old obscure, you know, newspaper strips and and you know, cartooning books and things like that. So. Yeah, that that's true. That's a unifying thread, and it was kind of essential to the whole thing that that they do um, look at the history of comics in that way. And you know, it's kind of like I mentioned at the outset. I mean, you know, uh, I in studying art history and and the the, the wider um, art world, I always found that talking to, to artists about uh, about other artists was you know, c- just completely different than, than mm-hmm. talking to a critic or an art historian about about uh, art. So, you know, it's kind of a combination of all that. And
0: it, and it, it's interesting right now, especially given the kind of academic discourse going out there where um, you kind of see people doing this academic work and kind of placing their ideas and values on the context of what these cartoonists are creating and it, it almost, the lens that they're looking through loses something that a lens of someone who's, you know, in the media kind of understands.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, it's still, <clears throat> the discourse is still so, you know, new in a lot of ways. I mean, there there have been great writers on comics for, for decades past, and, and you know, uh, but I guess... The, yeah, I guess I would I would agree that that you know that in general I think the biggest scholars or the biggest um, you know uh, collectors of of you know primary source material and and the actual you know all the actual stuff itself are, are definitely seem to be to be cartoonists.
2: Mm-hmm. You know.
0: conversation I was having with a f- couple of friends the other night, one of those you know pub conversations with cartoonists and it's interest like one thing one person said it, he and we both really agree on this is something bothering about a cartoonist that doesn't know comics <laughs> They make comics, but they don't really know anything about it anything about the history of it, anything of the medium and it's kind of like that kind of limited lens, I guess.
1: I'm sorry. I apologize. You're you're kind of cutting in and out. I don't I don't think I heard that.
0: I was, we we were talking about how um, kind of a frustration talking to other cartoonists or talking to cartoons, I'm not a cartoonist, but my friends are cartoonists. Uh-huh. Um, those that don't know the history of comics, you know, not necessarily like in-depth history, but don't really understand like the background of the work they're working in. Uh-huh. Um And that's why it's interesting with this because you can. Like, it is such an open book with those guys. I mean, with Jaime looking at the um, the Archie comics and all sorts of other, I mean, Chris Ware and even him talking about Ron Rigi, which is really interesting because you can kind of see what he's pulling out of that.
1: Absolutely, yeah. I mean, it, it's obviously, you know, each of those chapters a pretty idiosyncratic uh, history. Of of comics, but yeah, at the end of the day, I, I really felt like I I understood their work on a on a different level after after um, you know after putting those chapters together.
0: So, what's your background going into starting comic art magazine? <laughs>
1: um, well, I you know I've been the long story is that you know as a comic book collector since I was a really uh, young kid and. Um, Comic bookstore when I was a teenager, <clears throat> and um, you know, did did some fanzines and things like that. And then I studied uh, art history in school, and then I worked in the in the contemporary art world for a while. And then I went back to to graduate school to study art history. And and um, you know, when I was finishing that up, um, I, I thought it just seemed to the the timing. I'd worked on a couple of exhibitions and it just seemed like um, you know everything that I had done up to that point all my interests up to that point um, you know everything I liked doing was kind of all encapsulated in into doing a magazine and um you know I had ideas for for a number of different articles and I certainly had an idea of of how I wanted it uh, to look um working in the art world you know i worked i work at a gallery and we did you know exhibition catalogs every month and and um you, you kind of think about well you know i love uh, there are certain comics that i love as much as any you know art in the world and and it would be great to see something where where they were presented in this way and and you know people um uh, sort of you know, approach comics, the writing in, in as many different ways as possible. That was always a main goal. That was always as important to me as the, the sort of, you know, production of the magazine or, or the look of it was that um, I really wanted to get uh, as many different um, critical approaches to comics as, as possible. And I, I don't know that, I guess that came from, you know, studying art history and, mm-hmm. and enjoying uh, reading. A lot of different uh, ways of writing about art. Um, you know, um, it, it just seemed like there was a vast, um, you know, world out there that that could be covered in a in a way that I hadn't really seen it covered before. So, um, yeah, I I kind of started it on um, you know, a shoestring budget. I was really lucky because I had a friend. In St. Louis, who was already doing his own magazine, uh, magazine on l- illustration art, mm-hmm. and I basically um, approached him and said, "I have this idea, and here's here's what the first issue would be. You know, if I give you half of of whatever money we make, which um, you know didn't wind up being a whole <laughs> lot, would you uh, would you design it for me? Because he's a graphic designer, and um, he agreed to do that. So yeah, it, it just kind of started. I mean, it was basically." you know me coming up with ideas for articles and and either doing them myself or uh or you know contacting writers that I liked and you know I, I just you know kind of brainstorm and and figure out a writer that I liked and and think oh it would be really interesting if if that person wrote about this you know and and just made big lists in notebooks and you know uh I still have big lists that, of of the articles that that didn't uh, didn't get done but You know Very humble It was just like It was just like A fanzine um, Mm -hmm. Done completely You know Out of my living room
0: A very high end fanzine It was a fanzine
1: (laughs) With with really good Production values And and that was just um, You know uh, Spoke to the Time that it was Being done Because You know You could actually um, Well my friend That helped me Was a good Graphic designer But you could do All of that You know At home uh, On a computer And And um, yet experience with, with printers. So, uh, yeah, we were able to do it. It, it obviously wasn't cheap. Um, but amazingly, yeah, I was able to afford to do it for, for as long as I did.
0: So. It was nine issues, ten issues. Uh, yes,
1: yeah, seven of the of the issues that I published myself. Um, and then Alvin uh, Buenaventura did
0: the two big ones. Mm-hmm. You know. um, and it, I really loved it. Like, you'd have... Some of the articles were like like was the uh, was it Douglas Wilk that did the Jim Starlin one?
1: yeah, I love that article
0: and it's <laughs> like I know so many people are like would never have read the Warlocks, but after yeah, reading that, right. they just wanted to track them down and
1: i I was really I was really happy uh, about that article because well a he's a really good writer, and um, yeah, the subject matter was just kind of perfect. I mean you know you're always frustrated, um, at least I was when I was when I was younger and I got into you know alternative comics and and the the superhero guys are just so um you know insulated and and um uh really you know can't can't bear to look at anything outside of of their little world and i don't know i felt like well with comic art i I always wanted it to be as diverse as possible but you know with having that article in there i thought I don't know, kind of, you know. I definitely felt like there was a there was a big segment of the of the readership of comic art that would just, you know, that if they didn't get it, they would either not get it or it would actively kind of like upset them.
0: So. Yeah, well, uh, and that's to, as much as saying the uh, mainstream guys weren't reading the superhero comic or reading alternative comics. Nowadays, alternative folks don't touch superhero stuff with a ten-foot pole So it's...
1: That's exactly right, yeah Yeah, Yeah. so I love, you know, I love Old superhero comics I haven't read a new one in a while But I understand that Jaime uh, Is, uh, just did a Did a comic for Marvel So I'll I'll be buying a superhero comic Did he? Yeah, it's, uh, I'm gonna get it wrong So I probably shouldn't, uh, talk very much About it, (laughs) but I guess Marvel has The series of, of comics where, um you know, they, they get kind of, you know, indie guys mm-hmm. or, or alternative guys to, to kind of do whatever they want. And so Jaime did a did a story, I think it's like a seven-page story. I was actually just out there um, a week or so ago, and he showed me the original art. The comic's not out yet, but it looks amazing. You
0: know, oh, I'm mean? sure. I uh, I remember him asking about the, uh, that Alan Moore story he did. Oh, I mean, right, that the one. Tom Strong thing. Yeah. I love his answer. It's like, well, I mean... Alan wanted me to do a comic, but I told him I only draw what I like. <laughs> so I wrote this one. That's right, yeah. That's right. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. It's nice when an artist knows exactly what they want and what they can yeah, do. Yeah,
1: absolutely. He, yeah, he seems to, for
0: sure. Now, staying on Target with Jaime, um, what was the choice in doing this specific book on him? <clears throat>
1: a lot a lot went into it um i think when i was doing comic art and and putting the the in the studio book together um kind of at the same time uh, i was i was working on a couple of of relatively you know sizable exhibitions too and I, I i i just thought um you know i'd like to do a book um just a single project all you know all that i would do myself as opposed to editing comic art and um he to be honest with you he's the only artist that that you know at that time and and probably now um that i i think i could you know devote myself to to doing uh such a big big project on because you know his comics I, i obviously Obviously, from from comic art. I mean, I'm interested in in sort of all kinds of cartooning and, and artists from all different time periods. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, he he's the only artist that you know I could I could say that his comics, like you know, honestly, completely changed my life. Um, you know, they they've affected me more than than you know any artwork in any medium. So um you know it was a natural choice i'd written uh, a bit about him i'd done a magazine article on him for an art magazine and um i did a chapter in an exhibition catalog i wrote about him and so i just thought well this would be great you know i'll kind of like take try and take you know all these different approaches to, to writing about comics that that excited me in comic art and and kind of do it you know try and do it all myself and in, in one big monograph about a single artist so that's how it kind of came out came about and um i think um dennis kitchen had you know he has this literary agency and and i'd worked with him on comic art he did a harvey kurtzman article and i happened to see him at um at something and, and he asked me if i had any interest in Doing uh doing another book after in the studio and and so I said well actually yeah I I've, I've kind of been thinking about this um I'm not much of a of a salesman so you know I I I gave him a proposal and he he did the rest I didn't do anything I've been lucky <laughs> um because he handled that with the Jaime book and the in the studio book I I basically didn't have to like really pitch it you know uh, much at all either Yale had had um. I think they had talked to talked to they had talked to Ivan about mm-hmm. uh, the book the well the two books now that he edited, and I think Chris Ware was in contact with them as well, and and it just kind of came out of that. So um, yeah, I don't know if I could actually um, you know get a book published if I had to like uh, get out there and sell
0: it. Myself. <laughs> don't make you work at it.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: <laughs> I like the fact that you said monograph, because um, I kind of feel like that's more more of an appropriate term than art book in some ways. Uh Because you're really, like in one part you have a lot of reproductions of artwork but it's not it's very specific artwork and Uh it's a specific understanding you're putting forward of Jaime and his work. Um, One thing I found really fascinating is uh, in conversation with him last time I interviewed him he brought up Um, about this book was that you're really able to understand I guess the connections between him and his work Uh and how that reflects his real life
1: yeah yeah well I think that's a hugely important you know I I get you know I tried to get into that quite a bit in the book but yeah obviously that's a hugely important um, you know aspect to understanding his comics I think Um, to be honest with you you know any writing i would do about art or comics um the the sort of biographical approach is is you know the the one that i'm i'm probably um least comfortable with <laughs> i mean you know i really uh, i'm really interested in in looking at comics and, and just you know kind of writing about the stories um themselves but yeah it's, it's you know it's it's a huge part of this work and and um, you know I've, I've known him for quite a while at this point, and you know I've been fairly uh, friendly, and um, yeah, he's he's a really interesting guy, um, kind of outside of his comics. But yeah, the the two the two are so sort of tied together that that y- you you kind of ha- would have to write about about that. So it was pretty great. I mean, you know, before I really started getting into writing, we went to I visited him for about. I don't know, um, three or four days, and and he let me go through his his studio and and kind of go through, you know, everything, <laughs> his archives and original art and everything, and, and we took a trip um, to Oxnard and I saw where he grew up and you know it was incredible. Yeah, I mean you know going to going to Oxnard this this park, you know by by the house that that they all grew up in. Um, I mean you see this park and and you don't even have to. It's just so. So immediately apparent that that it's you know it, it's been in the locust stories like you know uh, many times so mm-hmm.
0: it's pretty pretty amazing. Some of the interesting uh, biographical information you really zero in on quick. Uh, one I really appreciate was the um, the representation of women in his life or the importance that women play in his life.
1: I think yeah I mean that may be. You know that that may be the most important aspect of his comics. If you were going to try and um, you know sum up what what's great uh, about his work, I mean, I think it's you know I think the representation of of people in his comics or are, are, you know in general are, are, are what's great. But yeah, I mean, thinking about um, depictions of women in comics um, before him, and um, it's just. I mean it's staggering if you if you know you have to stand back and and sort of understand what he's accomplished um in terms of what came before and and you know what's going on now and it's it's just an incredible achievement um you know reading those stories not to be you know too too um hyperbolic but you know the every time he comes out with a comic it's like you know, completely life-affirming for me. Um, the the depiction of, of uh, you know, he, well, the, how much he cares about those characters. You know, it's it's pretty amazing. And you know, that is something that you know I always knew would have to be a big, big part of writing about his work. And um, yeah, and in, in interviewing him, I mean, it just became immediately apparent. You know, he's raised the kids are raised by him um, by their mother and and. He just had a huge female presence um, in the house from the time they were really little, and you know, uh, throughout his life that's been true. So it's it's um, yeah, it's it's kind of fascinating to me.
3: Well, you wish upon a star that turns into a plane, and I guess that's right on par that's a blame
0: surprising things you learned about him during the process
1: um, I mean you know I learned a lot of surprising things in the book about it's almost like a continuation of, of the in the studio thing of these kind of you know strange um, you know uh, not necessarily even comics but but different um, you know kids TV shows and and you know uh, music i mean i know knew uh, a lot about the punk bands but earlier music and just just you know all kinds of stuff that that went into forming his aesthetic you know i, I certainly there was there was a lot more to it than than i knew kind of going in um but i don't know in terms of in terms of his personality i mean he's you know he's he's um he's a really you know he, He's a really interesting guy, just on on every level. And mm-hmm. you know, uh, the comics are are um, you know those well, I, you know the the book the book speaks to what I think about the comics. But.
0: They're good comics.
1: Yeah, they're good. They're definitely good
0: comics. Flies on the ceiling is probably one of my up there my favorite comics of all time. Like I know that's I think that's his specific favorite piece of work of his own, and it's really amazing just how he can go into these characters and just invest so much into them and put so much into them and you're creating a depthness you know that there's more there beyond what he's saying
1: yeah that's such a great thing and i'm i'm so excited that you know he's still got so many years left of, of telling these stories you know going back and forth and um i think i think there's a story in the in the upcoming 11 rockets um uh, about Maggie when she was she was a little kid. So I mean, yeah, it's it's great that that he's got so much material to work with for forever, you know. Um, but I, I, to speak to your point, what struck me, wh- what's always struck me uh, about his characters is that, you know, you read one of his comics, and then read <laughs> pretty much any other comic, and it just seems like. Um, you know it seems like the characters in in other comics are always there for a reason they're just like kind of fit into uh to a narrative and they do things for a certain reason and i never ever get that sense with him it's like he's, he's it's kind of a cliche but he's really following these characters through their lives you know and um there's a lot of messiness in the lives obviously and mm-hmm. and um you know you just you just never get the feeling that that he's giving these characters lines for an effect, you know. It's it's this really incredibly organic thing where you know and, and somebody that's been reading those comics for, for so long you kind of like grow up with those characters, you know.
0: You start the book out with the uh the New York Times story uh La Meg La, Meg- La Loca um what was the specific choice behind that like a st- um Story that's probably seen the most. Again,
1: it it comes from me. Me, my particular interest is uh, is really foregrounded um, on the work, the the comics. So it was me being kind of, to be honest with you, um, I I don't really like when it it kind of bores me um, when I get a book and it immediately starts, you know, right. From the time the person was born And then kind of goes through the stuff and, and I wanted to make it immediately apparent That, you know, it's not to dismiss the biographical information it's Like we've been talking about, it's really important But I just wanted it to be more about his work Right from the outset um, And, you know, that New York Times strip was designed Well, it wasn't designed But it was, it was <laughs> intentionally written, you know, for people that don't necessarily, haven't necessarily read, you know, every issue of Love and Rockets from 1982 on. So it's kind of this nice, contained story that really gives you a good sense of, of Maggie as a character. Um, and I just thought, you know, Abrams, from the beginning, they wanted that story in there. They are really jazzed about having that story reprinted in full in there. So I thought, well, it makes sense to just Start off with it right right from the get go, because I do think it gives you a real good introduction to his world right off the bat,
0: and also in some ways, it's a turning point in his own work, I feel like where he's kind of i mean Maggie turns forty in the strip and it right. it is it kind of sets a like a road mark almost in his work uh-huh uh-huh, like we've gotten this far, right. I don't know if that made sense, but that's kind of the, the, the impact I feel with that work, because, I mean, it's one of the few parts of the larger story that's not in the Love and Rockets or the Penny Century, you know. It's an external component.
1: No, I agree with you,
0: yeah. Um, one of the things you're covering is some of the artistic influences, and one that surprised me was his mention of uh, Mobius.
1: Uh-huh, yeah, right. You, you have to look... Um you know, and I think specifically what I what I say about about Mobius is I talk about some Mobius clouds or, or the dust coming off of of Maggie's Scooter, and um, I guess because I was at the time I started reading those comics, I, I think the first issue of Love and Rockets that that I read was number fifteen, but I had been seeing you know the covers and and the ads, and and I was kind of you know immediately struck by the art, but you know that to me. The way that he graduated um, To doing what he did The kind of comics that he went From like this to this to this To this to, this, to get to where he was At the beginning of Eleven Rockets I think I had somewhat of a Similar uh, experience in, in my comic reading You know, Heavy metal was like uh, like A step uh, beyond You know, John Burns' Fantastic Four <laughs> Or whatever I was reading at the time um, So so I was I was really interested in the fact that not only Jaime but, you know, Gilbert too were uh you know, at, at a certain age, you know, their late teens that were kinda, you know, really really pouring over those heavy metal issues and, and Mobius and a lot of those European guys. Um, but you can definitely see it in his inking in the first in the first issue of Eleven Rockets mm-hmm. in, in particular.
0: a well, fascinating thing he said once was uh how his inking changes over time specifically. Because of his nib, you ever hear of that?
1: Oh right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: like I don't know, it was like the most simplistic answer to like yeah the the tools. The stylistic uh, you know, shift.
1: That's right, yeah. The tools determine the, the style. So, yeah. Oh, by the way, I should should say you mentioned the cover of the book at at the outset. I, maybe it's never, I guess it's never stated um, in the book that that. The, the way that the book looks without the dust jacket on that's one of his sketchbooks. I mean, he's got a black sketchbook and it's written in white out on the cover of the secrets of Life and death. And it was this um, you know kind of nice coincidence because I had already decided um, that that's what I wanted to call the book and um, you know, he knew that, and, and then I went out there to go through his sketchbooks and everything and, and pour over through his archives. And, and I found the sketchbook that had that scrawled on the front, so I thought it was the perfect. The book, this has to be the book.
0: So <laughs> that's uh, he probably had a chuckle waiting for yeah, you to find yeah, it. I
2: know. Kinda,
1: <laughs> yeah, it, well, it just was one of those things it seemed kind of perfect.
0: So. Yeah,
1: and uh, luckily Jordan was into it. So definitely Jordan the, the look of the book is it's Jordan's book
0: so that you meant Jordan Crane.
1: Yep, Jordan Crane. Yeah.
0: Uh, and it's one of the last books he's designed. He's not doing book design anymore.
1: Is that is that right?
0: That's what he said last time I talked to him.
1: We uh we this this process killed his uh interest <laughs> in designing books. Yeah, I feel like
2: uh uh
1: yeah. Well I've got quite a uh, good track record going comic art uh, maybe um, you yeah, know put Alvin Buenaventura on the road to financial <laughs> trouble <and laughs> no behind my book put, uh, put yeah, Jordan out of uh, the book designing
0: business. Jonathan Bennett designed the comic art he's still designing comics oh
1: that's good that's good to know I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm glad he's still designing he's maybe a great he the
0: Jerry Moriarty book was his yeah yeah. is Him a very good, very good designer and a very good cartoonist Mhm. No, I think uh, Jordan right now is just trying to focus more on his specific artwork.
1: It's a. Uh, I'm sure it's a struggle for you know any mm-hmm. any cartoonist. Um, you know, it's like uh, Jaime doing the illustration or or you know Jordan doing design. I'm sure uh, you know on a certain level it's it's um, you know interesting to do, but um, you kind of do it you know do it uh, as a as a way to make money. Uh, so
0: you can do their comics, you know. Mm-hmm. Oh, they, uh, most most cartoonists do something else other than make comics. Yeah, you
1: kind of have to. it's,
0: uh, uh, it's it seems. A s- sad reality. Yep. Um, one thing that's really interesting about Jaime uh, is the impact he's had on comics, which I'm still wondering if people really understand. Uh, one thing you allude to is just how Love and Rockets kind of created this new genre in a way that was stripped of genres uh huh right and um it's it's fascinating because I mean they really did put forward something a new kind of comic that was just basically an interaction of people not predicated so much in the underground um you know hyper whatever in you know sensory overload it was just stripped down. Right, level. right. So, it does.
1: It seemed like yeah. It seemed like um, you know, especially if you talk to somebody like Dan Klaus, I mean, it it, it definitely um, opened up a space for people to work in. You know, I think um, uh, almost every cartoonist I talked to that that came after um, those guys, um, you know, was was hugely uh, affected affected by that because you know it's just it's kind of like you said you can do you kind of any, anything you want i mean you know it was certainly at the time love and rockets came out a lot of people you know every, everybody saw it as as part of the you know indie boom or you know, all these black and white comics but mm-hmm. you know man if you go back and look at a lot of those independently published comics that were that were kind of the big things it's it's so weird to think about love and rockets being you know, touted along with uh, you know, uh these other books that that when you try and read read that other stuff today it's like wow, you know, it's just like a slight twist on, on the worst superhero comics, you know, that are that are happening.
0: I just picked up the uh the Ninja Turtles collection out of uh nostalgia. <laughs> and I hadn't read them in probably twenty well, fifteen years. Um but since I was a teenager. Uh-huh. And I just, I couldn't read it. I'm like, this just isn't <laughs> doing anything for me.
1: <laughs> yeah, the humor is gone for you. <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> And that just shows you just how so much of that work from then did not date well. And I kind of feel with the Love and Rockets work for both brothers, it's not dated. It doesn't feel dated at all.
1: It's true, yeah. I. I well, yeah, obviously I agree completely I mean the first you know the first couple issues you know you can definitely see kind of where those guys are coming from but you know very very quickly it moves it moves I mean immediately the first issue it's it's something you know that that um, you know you may be able to see the things that that are kind of combining to you know create the background but it's obviously something completely different and you know b- a lot of the stuff that was coming out then is just is just like I said it's like oh, I have complete personal freedom now. I'm just going to make this comic, like, more violent than I could if I was <laughs> drawing Spider-Man. Or, you know, I'm actually going to show the women taking their shirts off, which I couldn't do if I was drawing, you know, Mary Jane Watson or whatever. Um, that's certainly the sense that I get. But um, I don't know. I mean, there's, you know, there's, there, there are a handful of artists that were that were working at that time, that, that did interesting things. But to me, yeah, in in kind of going back and reading a ton of that stuff, I mean, you know, yeah, reading it at this point, Love and Rockets just completely stands
0: out. I'm mm-hmm. um, uh, Seth. In an interview with him, he's saying how uh, he uh, Love and Rockets was that breakthrough for him. Does he? He he was trying to get into comics or get back into comics, and someone just made him buy the first issue of Love and Rockets, and that was just it for him. Yeah,
1: yeah. Oh, I you know I can't overstate just as a comics fan what what it it meant to me because um you know I was definitely in that in that uh you know comic collector world where my whole life was comics and you know uh, it 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 opened up a completely a completely new world it, what it did is it actually made me you know interested in other people you know in in you know sort of thinking that that people that you would meet might might have like this great interesting story um, you know as opposed to the only people you're interested in are, are you know these in these superhero comics that I've just been obsessed with my entire life so yeah I kind of kind of can't overstate the importance of, of love and rockets for me um, as, a, as a you know 14 15 year old
0: did you ever have that period in your life where a lot of us collectors had where you just stopped collecting for a while?
1: Uh-huh. Uh, I did, actually. Uh, the, the only comics I bought for, um, I don't know, about five years or so, um, I stopped buying buying pretty much anything except for Love and Rockets and 8-Ball and Hate, you know, in the in the late 80s. Uh, early 90s for, yeah, probably five years, and I guess anything Charles Burns did, which it seems like he wasn't doing much at that time, but,
0: uh, um, was right before yeah, that. I cool. didn't, I didn't
1: look at any of my old comics, they were, like, at my parents' house, and I just kind of, like, you know, completely um, got out of the, the whole world, I didn't, I didn't keep track of what was going on, I'd just go to a, go to a little store, and yeah, if I saw something new by those guys, I'd buy it. But.
0: Now, do you have any, uh, books in the future? projects working on or too soon to say
1: um it's too soon to say uh i'm working you know i'm i'm kind of when i was doing comic art and and all these other things you know i wasn't i wasn't really working a a straight job i was working you know a little bit here and there to to kind of get by but um at this point i'm working full time and i have a daughter and i'm kind of I don't know. I guess I'm taking... The Jaime the book probably was four years in the making, <laughs> so uh, I wanted to intentionally, you know, take take some time and, and just kind of relax and, and see how this, this um, you know, did and, and just kind of enjoy it coming out. I mean, I honestly... It's hard for me to think of uh, being able to do anything and, and be, you know, happier with it than this book, so I guess I'm going to try and enjoy it for a little bit, but uh I'm sure I'll do you know, do other things here and there down the road.
0: Well I hope so. Um and just finish off, you're gonna be at Mocha that's next weekend, isn't it? Um, weekend after
1: next. Let's see, it's the weekend after this. Yeah, yeah. Jaime and I will both be there um to do signings and um some events uh for Abrams. Um I think we're doing a signing on Friday night, the Friday before Mocha at Jim Hanley's Universe in New York,
2: <laughs> and then
1: we'll yeah, and then we'll be uh, we'll be at Mocha the whole weekend. And Jaime's doing a panel, which sounds really interesting. It's kind of four or five cartoonists, and I know one of the other cartoonists is Frank Miller. Well, you
0: know, so I it, saw that. I don't remember
1: who the other people are, but I can't wait to see that one myself.
0: It's it's a it's Frank Miller, Jaime, um, Kyle okay. Baker. Someone else of, uh, you know, larger-than-life reputation. And then Dean Haspiel. Yeah, that'd be fun. <laughs> just <laughs> just out of my own thoughts, I'm kind of like, one of these is not like the other. <laughs> right.
1: You know, I'll have to tape it for you. <laughs> it,
0: I, I would love to hear. I mean, I think Frank Miller will have some unique takes on where he's coming from with comics that it's, I... I you know, I grew up Ron Miller and I just don't see how he fits into comics anymore. Yeah, in a, in a I am kinda curious.
1: Context. Um I mean you know, I don't know. Is he even doing comics? Has he done comics in, in quite a while?
0: Not in a while.
1: Yeah, I'm so will be curious to yeah. to see. Yeah, it should be it should be a fun panel. But yep, we'll be up there and then um probably in May, I mean I will do some stuff in, in California for the book and and then um I'm sure we'll be in San Diego as well.
0: The mess of San Diego.
1: Yeah, ma- mainly, you know, I, I go out there for, for work uh, in addition to, you know, whatever project I'm working on. Never been. Um, yeah. You don't need to go. <laughs> no, I'm
0: probably not going to. I'm going to TCAF. That's my fun time.
1: Yeah, yeah. San Diego, I mean, it's just like everybody says. It's so impossible to find you know the four people that you actually want to see there that it's just like hardly worth it you'd be better off like you know planning a planning a trip with your friends or you know the the people that you actually want to hang out with and like Mm -hmm. getting together somewhere else because there's no reason to be in the middle of all that
0: exactly well thank you so much todd
1: oh yeah yeah it was fun thank you very much
0: i've got my questions asked
1: All right, well, I appreciate it, and I hope you enjoy the book if you haven't read it yet.